1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning
3: Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City, rural of Queens, on March 16th, 2021. And I want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America business channel. encourage you to continue sending along your questions and comments, whatever they may be. And uh, we do want to thank our sponsors uh, for making this show possible. Today's sponsors, SK Mining Corp., Noble Resources, Sitka Gold Corp., El Oro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Fury Gold Mines, Great Bear Resources, Lion One Metals, and Firefax Gold. I've titled today's show Central Bank's Deception of Monetary Reality. Chris Powell, Michael Oliver will return and Patrick Highsmith of Firefox Gold will visit for the first time. If individuals created money out of thin air as central banks do, they would go to jail for counterfeiting. So let's be honest. Central banks are used by government to deceive the voters into believing that kind-hearted politicians really care about them and are giving them gifts like the $1,400 checks that are being sent out to most Americans right now. This scheme works best for politicians because they win votes unlike the more honest approach of financing government by taxing the public to pay for the gifts that government gives to people because the negative effects of printing press money is not seen. They are not seen and understood by by the masses. So they can be easily fooled by printing press money, not so much... By taxes. The ability of politicians and their central banks uh, and their partners as the, they really partner with government to pull off this deceitful practice depends on retaining faith in the dollar because if people come to realize that the dollar is in fact a worthless IOU the government and the bankers it sleeps with would no longer be able to pull off its counterfeiting scheme. At that point It would be game over for these government banking thieves. And that explains why bankers and governments have to do their best to suppress the price of gold. In an essay written by Alan Greenspan in 1966 titled, Gold and Economic Freedom, he explained why our increasingly socialist government must keep control, some control at least, over the price of gold. In summarizing his article, Greenspan stated, and I quote, this, then, is the shabby secret of the welfare state's triad against gold. De- deficit spending is simply a scheme for the hidden confiscation of wealth. Gold stands in the way of this insidious process. It stands as a protector of property rights. If one grasps this, one has no defi- difficulty in understanding the politician's antagonism toward the gold standard. End of quote. Well, Chris Powell will be with me in the second half of today's show to talk about how price discovery for gold and silver is being denied and manipulated in the short term to profit large bullion banks and to aid and abet government's propaganda in order to retain confidence in an intrinsically worthless currency like the dollar. In just a few minutes from now, Patrick Highsmith, a geologist who works closely with Dr. Quentin Henning, will be with me to talk about Firefox Gold, which is one of two junior mining companies that have locked up all the highly prospective land in Finland where a new gold exploration rush is taking place. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me once again. Uh, We want to get his comments on the markets as he sees them at this point in time. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Always good to have you here, and uh, I know a lot of the people, you know, we've seen a resting period over the last uh, couple of years or so here for for gold over the last year seems like a couple of years i don't think it's been that long but we've gold has gone nowhere uh gold miners are starting to perk up though what are your thoughts on on gold and the gold shares right now well we've
4: ever since it began we've viewed the pullback since the august hive last year in gold silver and the miners as a correction not an end of the bull market but there's a lot of skeptics out there who've uh, you know, thrown out the idea that it's all over, that's a top, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And our long-term technical work just doesn't justify that conclusion. Uh, yeah, it's an intermediate downturn, and mm-hmm. uh, we think it's coming to an end. And we probably have seen the low, and I think uh, with gold's action this week, if you just hang around and close about where you are right now, we've got some initial good signs from gold that it's turning back up on our momentum work. Uh, but what's more important are some other metrics that we're looking at. We all know that the gold miners, you know, we describe them as, as a puppy dog on a leash, you know, they, they're yipping and yapping and they, they rush ahead of gold in the upside. They do better than gold outperform. And on the downside, they panic and they, they do worse than gold. Well, sure enough, since August, the gold miners have pulled back in price and pull back more than has gold on a percentage basis. Therefore, they've Mm -hmm. underperformed gold. Uh, Though in the long term, if you look at the long term spread between the two, it's it's a pullback that looks safe. We've got a breakout now. Uh, The gold miners are behaving in a way that we can measure that says, okay, that pullback in the relative performance of miners to gold is over. We're turning. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that's important about that is that that is highly linked to the net direction of gold in the miners. Uh-huh. If the miners turn up relative to gold, it's it's almost always a sign that the net trend of both is going back up, with the mm-hmm. miners at the, you know and it leading gold, uh, the mm-hmm. leash pulling forward. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So we we're very optimistic what we see lately going on here. Um, there's another interesting uh, chart we sent out today to our gold silver subscribers that. Uh, one of our subscribers asked about SII, which is a stock symbol for Sprott Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Now, Sprott Incorporated is not in the mining business itself. It is the probably the largest uh, asset manager and fund and ETF provider in the arena of gold and silver. They have uh, bullion trusts, silver and gold. They have mining ETFs, etc. And it behaves if you look at a Sprott chart. Uh, and, and By the way, that company came into being in the 1980s, so it's been around a mm-hmm. while. It's mm-hmm. not something new. And the stock was uh, issued in 2008 and 2009. It's traded on Toronto in New York Stock Exchange. But anyway, um, that if you look at a price chart of SII and compare it to gold, it's a, almost a perfect replica, uh, mm-hmm. especially over the last year or two. Uh, we, we made a low in March, like gold. Remember the sell-off in March last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then it exploded into August, made a high coincident with gold, same timing, and mm-hmm. silver. Pull back sharply from that high, corrected, but all of a sudden in the last, in ground down to a low. I think it made its low in January, spot, mm-hmm. yep. and gold has recently made a low, spots back to its highs. <laughs> Explain mm-hmm. it. Yeah. In other words, if if the largest asset manager and fund provider in the gold arena, if gold is topped and is no good anymore, like some skeptics say, why is this symbol mm-hmm. this leading investment symbol in the gold arena behaving so well? Mm-hmm. Why is it back to and making new highs above those mm-hmm. of August? I think yeah. it's just another hint mm-hmm. that the skeptics are wrong and that mm-hmm. this pullback in gold is is wrapping up and we're ready to resume.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I know these people very well, and uh, Eric. You know, we've had, of course, Eric Sprout on the show, uh, the founder of the company, uh, as well as Rick Rule, who's on the board of directors, and I think resigning now from his current post, but still on the board. Very much aware of this company, and they do also provide financing for projects in the in the mining sector. So hmm. these are really smart people. They know very well. In addition to the ETFs that you mentioned, but yes, they're. Mm-hmm these These are people that know this business very, very well, no doubt about it. Go ahead, I'm sorry to interrupt.
4: So anyway, I, I just think it was a, you know it's a, again, it's it, you could call it peripheral or marginal, but there's too many of these things occurring now. The mm-hmm. miners have clearly shifted their performance trend by our metrics uh, uh, back to favorable versus gold. And that has always you can overlay those spread charts of the gold miners versus gold. And when they top back in August, sure enough, gold declined and the miners declined. When mm-hmm. that spread turned up uh, last week and this week, uh, it's a sign that we're ready to
3: resume upside. So very good. All August. right. Well, we're just at, with a couple of minutes left here yet, what else, uh, Michael? You mentioned T-bonds. You got your eyes on everybody's got yeah. Yeah. their eyes on T-bonds. Well, what are your thoughts there? There
4: is a good linkage, and it, it will not last. A lot of linkages that people identify in markets, you know, they're, they're good for a while. And then they, they don't work. And in the case of gold right now, the T-bonds, futures in particular, and T-notes, look very much like what gold's done. They, they, they made a high in August, monthly closing highs. They pull back arm wrestling style and picked up a little steam here recently on the downside, meaning higher yields. But if you look at their charts, they look just like gold. Mm-hmm. And our suspicion is that while T-bonds are going to be in big trouble in terms of higher yields coming, uh, looking out a year or two, that there's one more rally left in the T-bonds, meaning a drop in yields again. Mm-hmm. And we suspect that's going to be correlated to a uh, drop in the stock market, mm-hmm. not, a, not a crash event like like you know March of last year, but a pullback that causes, again, investors to do what? Turn to the two major alternatives to the stock market, as currently perceived, and that's mm-hmm. gold and T-bonds. Uh, mm-hmm. And it looks to us like T-bonds are about to bottom and turn up as well,
2: mm-hmm. although
4: I think that we'll divorce gold later this year. But for mm-hmm. now, I think the linkage still exists, so we'll see.
3: So, Michael, just real quickly, do you think then that uh, rates as they edge higher here might at some point just cause the equity market to start its decline?
4: Well, yeah, see, I think everybody thinks if rates will drop, oh, that'll help the stock market. Well, why is it that the stock market has risen all during the period where T-Bond rates have risen? Mm-hmm. since august last right. year so right. it's actually the opposite so mm-hmm. i suspect what's going on is if the stock market wobbles down to the downside here and i think we were about at that cusp of that right now led by the mm-hmm. tech sector by the way um and financials uh i think the t-bonds will have another sharp rally uh where investors you know rush back in to get the yield and the so-called safety of the bonds uh mm-hmm. though i don't think that'll last
3: ultimately um, All right. We'll wait and see, okay. but it certainly makes sense to me. Thanks so much for being with us, Michael. And you, uh, we'll look to talk to you in a couple of weeks again. Some uh, well, in a couple of weeks again. All right, folks. We do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Patrick Highsmith of Firefox Gold will be with me, and then after that, of course, Chris Powell uh, for the second half of the show. I'll be right back with Patrick Highsmith. <music>
2: Fury Gold Mines is a Canadian exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable, high-grade gold assets across its 3.5 million-ounce portfolio. Led by a management team of proven explorers and developers, Fury aims to generate major catalysts and performance per share by advancing exploration campaigns across Canada. Fury is well-positioned to create value for investors with low-risk, development growth and the potential for a new major discovery fury gold mines trades on the tsx and nyse american under fury to learn more go to furygoldmines.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
3: Welcome. Uh, I'm Jay Taylor. I'm the editor of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks and uh, host of a radio show called Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with Patrick Highsmith. He is the chairman and co-founder of Firefox Gold Corp., the company that I started following in the newsletter a few months ago. And it's frankly one I'm telling my subscribers they should pay special attention to because of its potential, its geological potential in Finland uh where it's operating and because of its market cap frankly it has a shot with some successful drilling i think uh to see much higher uh, valuations for this company it trades in toronto under the symbol ffox uh, ffox and you can buy it down here in the states as i have under ffoxf Uh, 81.8 million shares outstanding thereabouts anyway at 16 17 cents so is a market cap of around 10 million in U.S. money, 13, 14 million in uh, in Canadian dollars. So it's uh, it's still a baby, uh, but it has a lot of uh, tremendous exploration potential uh, and and considerable scale, I believe as well. That's why I'm really happy to have Patrick with me. He is a geologist, seasoned mining executive, over 29 years of experience uh, in uh, senior management management positions, exploration, operations, business development. Leadership roles for companies have been with some big boys like Rio Tinto, BHP, Billiton, Newmont, Lithium One, Pure Energy Metals, Fortis Steel Metals. Uh, he has worked on more than 250 projects around the world, uh, leading teams through creative trans uh, transactions, new discoveries, scoping, and pre-feasibility studies. Uh, so, he's also been experienced in the capital markets and. Uh, He's had an association with all manner of financing transactions as well. So he has a very well-rounded background uh, with major mining companies, and he's stepping in uh, to this junior uh, to see uh, if he can pull off uh, a a discovery. And I I think the chances are very good in this bull market that we're in that that he will be successful, and he has a a very great, uh, a very solid team with him, technical team and, and business people that are with him. So uh, welcome, uh, Patrick. It's really good to have you with me.
5: Thank you, Jay. It's, it's great to be here talking about real exploration and kind of a new gold rush, actually, in Finland. Yeah,
3: yeah in Finland, exactly. And we haven't heard a lot about Finland. It's just only a um, few years back, I guess, Agnegal Eagle made a great discovery, a very profitable mine there, I think. Uh, but what attracted, you, uh, what attracted you to Finland?
5: In a nutshell, Jay, I I was there in the early 2000s. I was managing business development for Newmont, looking around the world for for emerging gold belts and gold discoveries. And we realized that the central Lapland Greenstone Belt, quite similar to the rocks in eastern Canada, western Australia, West Africa that host tens of millions of ounces of gold, only had this one big deposit, which now Agnico has turned into a mine course. And so, it was underexplored, Jay. It was just that simple. There just wasn't enough drilling. And and, and one of the world experts, uh, a professor down at University of Western Australia, David I. Groves, he and I had a conversation and he said, geez, there's only been 300,000 meters in this belt for gold drilled in history. And of course, we laughed because in those days, Newmont drilled more meters than that every year in Nevada. Sure, sure. So, so, we saw that and the writing was on the wall. And it took me a while. Took me a while, Jay. But we founded Firefox in in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, with a longtime colleague and, and our Finland-based CEO, Carl Lothberg.
3: Yeah, you have uh, you have a strong Finnish connection there with your people. Uh, how how does that factor in? I mean, it's always good, I think, to have natives, people that know the lay of the land, have good connections, and so forth. But talk about your management team, because I always think that's the most important thing with any. Any company, whatever industry you're in, but uh, talk about your your management team as a whole.
5: Well, Finland-based management and Finland-based technical team has been huge in this year of COVID. I can tell you that we haven't missed oh, yeah. a beat. We haven't missed a beat. The team gets out of bed and goes to work in Finland. We haven't had to fly in experts from afar and uh, and hassle with the uh, the challenges to travel. But but even before that, Carl was managing a private a prospect generator called Magnus Minerals that goes back about 15 years. So Carl and his team already knew how to operate the tenement system, how to manage exploration projects, and they'd spent, you know, tens of millions of euros of other people's money uh, exploring there, but mostly for base metals. So so that was the foundation. And then his company had had these gold tenements which which weren't getting a lot of love and that became the founding of FireFox and Magnus is still our largest shareholder and and intimately associated, of course, since Carl is our CEO. So we started there with Finnish expertise and expert uh, operating ability. And we've grown our geological team. We have a couple of other geologists from around Europe, but all, you know, quite close to home on the team there. And, And that's absolutely essential to have that local expertise because the surface landowners, like in like in any uh, mining jurisdiction, are really critical. So so now we build our relationships with uh, you know Finns speaking to Finns, and we operate the tenement system uh, quite nimbly. Uh, I believe we're we're amongst the best at operating the tenement system again with Finns working with a Finnish system. So it's been huge.
3: Yeah. Well, speaking of huge, you just picked up a huge amount of land. I just announced this past week. I think it was on, on the tenth of March. Um, Talk to us about that it's I think it's something like 800 square kilometers or something like that total land package you have in in Finland is that is that right And, and what was talk to us about the reason for picking up this massive chunk of ground and how does that fit in with with what you've been doing and what you've been looking at before that before this week.
5: In our experience, Jay, when you're operating in an emerging gold belt, you sort of it's fast moving. You sort of don't know exactly where that next discovery is coming from. So now we had Agnico's mine, of course, which is in production uh, since about 2009. And we've had uh Rupert's big discovery right next to us Rupert resources at drilling at the Ikari prospect has made a big discovery and uh let's face it uh the gold rush in these new belts is a bit of a, a a bit of a land grab and that's the way the major companies often play it and we saw that on the horizon and our team is so good at watching the tenement system the 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 greenstone belt's entirely pegged Jay it's it's staked up there's there's sort of no room to operate but the finish system uh forces turnover of these tenements because there are various types of tenements you can take that cost some less expensive but they turn over quickly and others more expensive that you hold longer and when those become available you have to leap Mm -hmm. And, and and that's what we did here recently we we grabbed a lot of open ground uh between uh rupert's discovery up towards the agnico eagle mine on on sort of the east side of the belt and then along the west side of the belt again uh Key land opened up on a structure that we liked, and we grabbed that as well. So in total, in the Greenstone Belt, we have about 800 square kilometers, and, and all of that is, is sort of in the thick of things. So really, it is four juniors and two majors in the Belt, and and that's it. So anybody else who's going to come in is going to need to knock on the door, uh, you know, as Ken Ross has done with Orion Resources. They did a strategic investment in a JV uh, B2 entered the belt, of course, uh, a while back, and and, uh, Agnico was there. But beyond that, um, that's it. So that's why we knew we had to be nimble, grab this land, and... As you and I have been discussing, the databases in Finland are so good that we get the benefit of historical work on these properties. So we get a bit of a head start, including access to historic drill core, Jay. All that is archived in a central facility in Finland that we can go visit and access the drill core and even sample it if that's appropriate. So it's a big land grab. It is Greenfield's exploration. And yet those who come before us, their work has been documented and we have access to it. So, so we believe it's the right way to play the belt, to bring a, a, a conveyor belt of projects along, even though we've already got two flagship projects that are at the drilling stage. So we're gonna keep that conveyor belt moving. Jay, we don't get married to our projects. We evaluate them rigorously. And uh, now with a portfolio this big, I think we're gonna have to consider uh, entertaining some of the, the suitors who have come along to inquire about the possibilities of uh, joint ventures or strategic sure. partnerships. Yeah, cause it's
3: just a huge land grab that uh, you've got there. And uh, yeah, I wonder, uh, so do you have some of the property that you have, your two flagships, maybe you could just talk a little bit about the exploration work you've done so far, what you know about it. Um, you know what, I, I think I've seen some pretty, pretty nice drill intercepts, narrow ones, but high grade. Uh, they're, they're, certainly it's not as if you haven't done any drilling yet, you have. And do you have some drill data then from previous work that was done on the property, on any of your properties?
5: Sure, yeah, several, several questions in there. First, our, our flagship properties. And I just wanna say, Jay, we founded the company in 2017, and every year since we founded the company, whether we were in bad times or good, we have drilled. We believe in drilling. It's Carl's mandate to the team that we will drill every year. And, you know, uh, in, in a down cycle, maybe you drill less and in an up cycle, you obviously drill more, but that's how you make a discovery. And so we have drilled every year since we founded the company, Jay. And um, the two flagship properties that, that your audience might've seen are the Musti RV Prospect, yes. which, which is a property right off the highway that we announced some drill results back at the end of January. And much like many of the properties in Finland, each time we go out there, we're finding grade. Now, those have been pretty narrow intercepts, but two meters of 45 grams uh, from a couple of years ago, not at all uh, 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 anything to sneeze at. And more recently, we just announced two meters at 33 grams there. Both of those are shallow near surface intercepts. um, And uh, and Musti is a structurally controlled gold target. And uh, we've just hired a new structural geologist who's helping us unravel that. And we expect to drill again here at Musti Yarvi in the uh, sort of late winter, early spring, April. Mm-hmm. The, the other large flagship project is called Yesio. Yesio joins Orion's uh uh, gold, uh, new gold discoveries at uh, Risty and Louny. Those are uh, the boulders that were famously discovered up at Risty a couple of years ago by Orion, and then down at Lowney, gold and quartz veins again near surface. And we've just scratched the surface at Yeseo But right now, we have a base of till drill rig out in the frozen swamp, mm-hmm. drilling through that glacial cover that obscures the, the these uh, rocks a lot of the times in this belt, Jay. And uh, so Yesio is at the stage of base of till sampling leading up to what we believe will be drill targets uh, later this year there as well. So those are the two that we we control 100% as we do all our portfolio. We won't be dealing those to anyone anytime soon. And we're right in the thick of it, adjoining uh, Rupert on on one side and Orion on another and and right in the thick of things in the belt. Um, Historic drilling, as I said, Most of these properties have seen a little bit of that, but but often it was for base metals. Uh, So in that one of the new properties we just announced, Monto, which we've just uh, added to the portfolio has historic drilling and and a gold occurrence there uh, that was documented by the Geological Survey of Finland and uh, also large sampling databases, one of which was a till sample that yielded uh, 11 grams per ton. Mm-hmm. Again, just uh, a few meters of glacial cover, and at the base of that glacial cover, mm-hmm. a high-grade sample from the Geological Survey of wow. Finland years ago. So, so usually those databases give us a head start, and we start the permitting process and, and bring those things along in a very busy uh, mining authority in Finland doing all this permitting. But once you're granted your exploration permit, as we have been at Yesio and Musti Arvi, um, those things, once that permit has been granted, that gives you the full rights to do the surface disturbance that you need to do exploration like core drilling or mm-hmm. trenching if necessary. And you work closely with your surface landowners and, and maintain that good relationship, but you can move quite quickly once you get those permits. Sure.
3: And um, I'm wondering, Patrick, if, uh, you know, this, this is a major greenstone belt that hasn't had all that much discovery so far. you, you just, we just talked about that. How does it, uh, is it the till cover you think that sort of kept this from out of sight from past explorers? Is that why this greenstone belt hasn't been explored as, ex- as extensively as say the ones in Canada or Africa or other places? And then maybe uh, if that's the case, uh, could you compare this greenstone belt? What do you see there compared to some of the others? Does it have the potential to be prolific like some of the others in your view?
5: We believe the potential of the central Lapland greenstone belt is, is uh, quite analogous to, say, the Abitibi in eastern Canada or the Beremian in West Africa. Jay, we really do. It, it has the key things you need to see. It has thick sequences of, of mafic volcanic rocks. They're kind of greenish. That's how they get their name, really, greenstone belts you need thick sequences of those volcanic rocks and often where they adjoin uh, major structures are cut by major structures and fluids move up through there. We see evidence of that at Agnico's gold mine hosted in the middle of a big thick pile of those mafic volcanics. But you also like to see contrasting rock types like sedimentary rocks where they are juxtaposed against the volcanic rocks To give you uh, that contrast and often that's where the the gold deposits occur and we see that maybe now more with Rupert's discovery and some of our projects more uh, down in the sort of southern part of the belt so a lot of analogies there. So we realized that and we also realized that there were both base metals and gold in this greenstone belt so it was explored a little bit for all of those things but 98 percent of the belt is covered by these glacial sediments. So, that does obscure those deposits that sort of stick out of the ground and are are the first wave of discoveries, okay? But there's another factor, Jay, and it's quite interesting. Uh, Really, Finland wasn't open for international explorers until the mid to late 1990s. Then, as they slowly opened, they were developing a mining law, and that prompted my visits there in 2003, 2005, 2007 uh, with Newmont. Uh, When they were moving along their mining law, um, they they were really changing it quite often and adapting it to make it fit better so that large companies can invest appropriately to hold large blocks of Mm -hmm. ground. And yet, at the same time, turn the land over uh, with the right kind of mining law there. So that was evolving. But about that time in 2000, uh, so Agnico bought the the deposit that became the mine in 2005. They proceeded to build the mine. But then a major base metal discovery was made in 2008 by Anglo-American. It's called Sakati. And it may be Finland's best ore body ever, maybe better than Otakumpu. It's a large copper nickel discovery that they're still drilling out and, and advancing. And when that happened, Anglo-American and First Quantum in about 2008, 2009, literally pegged everything. They staked the whole bloody belt. It made the headlines of the Helsinki Papers. Okay, very unusual. So that kept out gold explorers again. Mm -hmm. So more time lapsed. By 2014, the downturn in the junior industry that you and I have been witnessing over that last 10 years, a lot of it, had taken its toll on those major companies too. And they had to relinquish a lot of ground. When that happened, Orion Resources came in, S2 Resources, and my partners at Magnus Minerals also came in and picked up a lot of this ground. That was really the the surge of first gold company exploration, 2014, 2015, and that led to Orion's work Firefox, of course, and and Rupert's discovery. So it's a complicated story, and again, yeah. our local experts are the best guys to navigate that sort of thing. Um, but it is an interesting story. Not only is that there's the geological situation, the glacial cover make it uh, uh, a little more challenging to explore, but at the same time, you had uh, the the mining law and the tenement situation mm-hmm. kind of blocking new entrance to the belt. Right.
3: So it does have, a, it has the potential, it just has been underexplored compared to the other Greenstone belts, I guess. That's, that's, that's uh, so rock. have you yeah. put together your exploration program for, for 2021 or is that still in the making?
5: Well, you know, our 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 season of exploration runs a little bit different than the calendar year because the winter is what it's all about in, in Lapland. We like it to freeze up so we can access those swampy areas and, and get out to these properties. There's paved highways and airports all over Lapland. So access is great, but but here's how it works. Uh, we're now in the middle of our, our sort of winter program. So we have base of till sampling going on right now. And that's a small drill rig that can trek out across the snow uh, take a sample at the base of that glacial cover and tag bedrock. So that's underway right now uh, on our Yesio property. Um, and we've mentioned that I think last week we press released that that was going on or two weeks ago. So that'll progress along through uh, the remainder of the winter here. And we have another core rig coming back uh, in April. And we'll drill uh, sort of budget depending, but around 1.8 kilometers is the plan, Jay, for, for that drill program at probably Yesio and Mustiarvi. And then we kick into the summer season. The summer season is where we will get boot leather for the first time on some of these new projects. And we'll start building that conveyor belt, which property moves, you know, which cab comes off the rank next to get its permits and progress to drilling. And so we'll be in the field uh, mapping and sampling from that sort of, uh, in, in May, sort of the snow melts. And then June, July, we get into the summer program and then hopefully uh, you get your targets ready to roll, and by September, October, uh, you're drilling again. So our plan right now is to advance Yesio Mustiarvi, uh, those additional targets, to assess the top tier of these new projects, We've had some discussions already about potential joint ventures on those. So it's possible uh, we could have a partner earning into a couple of those projects, Jay. And we also have a permit we're waiting anxiously for at a property called Sarvi, which is immediately adjacent to Rupert's uh, area one discovery, just north of Rupert. We have a huge block of ground there. And Sarvi, we've expedited the permit application and we do expect it before summer. So we should have a third drill ready project at least uh, by summer of 2021. So, so I guess.
3: In, so I guess in wrapping up, then we uh, should, in terms of the share price drivers, we should be watching for possible joint venture uh, agreements and drill results coming out, and your assessment of and um, uh, prioritizing those those projects. Those are the things that we should be watching for, I guess.
5: Absolutely. And I'd add one other thing, Jay. We're a little picky about our partners. So um, okay. <laughs> we've, been this, we've been in this business a while. So if there's the right, you know, strategic partner, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they want to invest with us to get exposure to the whole portfolio of assets, or maybe they want to focus on one project but we're really gonna be uh, pretty selective about about uh, how we partner because we're sitting on all this land and we wanna make sure uh, we make the best of that opportunity for our shareholders.
3: Well, that certainly could be a driver as well. If there's a household name coming into the picture, somebody who is uh, has the prestige and the ability to take projects and they have money to spend and all of that, that's uh, that's what we want. Um, and it's all about people. And you certainly have a good management team, Patrick. and together there you just uh, talked about some of them I'm really looking forward this is a story I think that has the potential to do very well for people willing to take some uh, some risk Uh, a new story but uh, with the right kind of people you got the scale you've got the geology I think that uh, makes a lot of sense so anything anything else you'd like to add before we uh, before we wrap it up here
5: we're excited too, Jay, and it's shown through, really. If you, if, you, if your audience takes a look at our website or our presentation, they'll see some of those institutional shareholders who've already come into the story, groups like Crescat Capital and SSI mm-hmm. out of Zurich, and uh, those institutions are there because they know it takes a while to make a big gold discovery, but if you, you find the right team and the right rocks and you got the land… Uh, you know the the gods of discovery can smile on us as we say so uh, yeah we're we're quite excited too Jay and it's, it's good to be with you thank you for the opportunity yeah well
3: thank you thank you very much Patrick and I'll look forward to keeping up with the story uh, in the weeks and months to come thank you okay. so much thank you thank you. you bet
2: Resources Trading under GBR on the TSXV and GTBAF on the OTCQX is a gold exploration company focused on their district-scale Dixie project in the renowned Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having made multiple high-grade near-surface gold discoveries, GBR's capital efficiency has allowed them to be fully funded to complete a very active 300,000-meter drill program through 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best performing exploration stocks in the last three years by visiting GreatBearResources.ca.
3: Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates.
2: Voice America Business Network, the bottom
0: line in business.
3: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Chris Powell. It's been a while since Chris has been with me, so I'll just uh, remind you that he is a columnist for the Journal Inquirer. That's a daily newspaper in Manchester, Connecticut, uh, where he has worked since graduating from high school uh, back in 1967. So he's uh, more or less my age. He was uh, managing editor of the newspaper from from, uh, 1974 until retiring from that position. In February of uh, well, a couple of years back, anyway, I'm not sure exactly which year, but he is. Uh, his column is published in newspapers throughout Connecticut, and uh, he is also the secretary and treasurer of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. It's a nonprofit organization that aims to expose and oppose the manipulation of the gold market and related markets by central banks. And he's also involved in. Other civic duties and occupations and he's uh, run for an office, of statewide office in Connecticut and very much involved in a lot of things that uh, are aimed at uh, helping his fellow man. I've known Chris for a number of years and think very highly of him uh, as a person, as a citizen, as one who is kind and helpful to those around him. So for that reason and more, we're glad to have him with us today. Thanks for joining me, Chris.
0: Jay, you're too kind, but it's great to be here.
3: Well, I think it's—I think what I said is, is is certainly deserved, Chris. And I just want to—we we, we want to ask you about what's going on in the gold markets. Uh, probably nothing new. Uh, over the years, uh, people seem to behave the same way in their own self-interest um, as they see it, anyway, in the short term. Um, but you know, there are people out there like well, Jeff Christian is certainly a critic who have despised in in many ways. I think not so secretly the Gold Antitrust Action Committee and have suggested that the notion of gold manipulation by large banks is nothing more than a conspiracy theory. But actually, over the years, you have really documented quite well, I think very, very thoroughly over quite a few years, maybe a couple of decades now, I'm losing track of time, uh, evidence of gold manipulation and suppression. Could you explain to our listeners how the price of gold is managed and who is behind the management of uh, at least in the short run, the gold price.
0: Well, Jay, it is. It has been managed primarily for many years now through the futures markets, uh, where uh, uh, investment banks, bullion banks, uh, sell far more uh, gold uh, than exists. Uh, they sell. They sell heavily short, uh, and they are uh, backed in this by by Western central banks. Uh, In fact, Alan Greenspan testified to uh, Congress in 1998 that the 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 purpose of central bank gold leasing uh, was precisely to keep the price down. He said Mm -hmm. central banks stand ready to lease gold in uh, increasing quantities should the price rise. That's how it's been done uh, primarily for you know, at least at least since the futures markets began uh, back in gold, back in uh, in 1974, 1975, um, if you have access to infinite money, uh, if you can create infinite money, and if you can deploy it uh, surreptitiously or 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 in secret, you can control any futures market uh, in the world. The British economist uh, Peter Warburton wrote an essay about this. Uh, Back in 2001, it's posted on Ghana's internet site. I think he was the first one to discern that the futures markets were being used and may have even been created precisely so central banks could divert the money that was looking for inflation hedges uh, out of possession of actual physical goods and into paper instruments whose price could be could be controlled by naked short selling by by central banks. I mean, this is not stuff that Gata invented, mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, stuff that's been acknowledged, uh, analyzed, and reported about by economists and uh, and, and other governments for, for for many years. But the futures market uh, has been, been the primary mechanism of, of gold price suppression for for a long time, uh, Jay. Central banks working through through bullion banks uh, who uh, uh, really camouflage the the intervention by by central banks. Uh, Also camouflaging the intervention is the Bank for International Settlements uh, in Basel, Switzerland, which is the central bank of the the central bank. Uh, It advertises in its own promotional materials to uh, prospective central bank members that its services include intervention in the gold market. We we, we have that PowerPoint presentation on our internet site. so the central banks uh, and the the BIS are are doing this intervention largely through intermediaries, so that you know they 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 don't get caught. But there is so much evidence now, so much documentation, so many admissions mm-hmm. uh, by by central bankers on the record that I think any uh, halfway competent journalist could uh, could write this story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, I think really every mainstream financial news organization in the world is, uh, is too scared to, to touch the story even though most of them have, have gotten all this documentation from GATA.
3: Yeah, well certainly, uh, so price discovery is being denied the producers of gold and silver because it's true in the silver market as well, right Chris, this, this uh, futures market activity?
0: Well, you know, we, we don't have evidence of uh, silver leasing directly by by central banks. However, uh-huh. uh, there's a good reason to suspect that the the silver hoard that has been accumulated by J.P. Morgan Chase over the last decade or so is functioning as the equivalent of uh, a U.S. government silver stockpile. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I can't uh, I can't prove it. However, both Jamie Dimon, who's the uh, chief executive of, of J.P. Morgan Chase, and and the bank's former commodity desk chief, Blight, Blight Masters, uh, gave interviews a few years ago in which they said that J.P. Morgan Chase uh, was not trading in the silver market for its own account; that it was doing the its trading for for clients. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, nobody asked them. Do those clients include governments or central banks? Uh-huh. Um, you know, you can you can always look at the CME Group's uh, Central Bank Incentive Program uh, rules, which are posted at the CME Group's Internet site and GATAS Internet site and have been filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission and Commodity Futures Trading Commission. The CME Group, which operates all the futures exchanges, major ones in the United States, uh, is giving volume trading discounts to governments and central banks, <laughs> provided they trade through intermediary brokers that are registered with CME Group, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the, the Central Bank Incentive Program Discounts apply to governments and central banks trading all futures contracts that CME Group runs, not just uh, the government bond uh, futures, but uh, agricultural futures, monetary metals futures, uh, really everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's there's pretty good evidence that the futures market is being used uh, by governments as well with intermediaries uh,
3: for uh, for for price control as well. Right, certainly denying price discovery of the physical metal, because Chris, I know that the numbers are just overwhelming. The number of contracts and uh, that represent the ounces of gold is so much greater than uh, maybe in a in a couple of days as. Mine from that comes from the mines in a whole year. I mean, it's it's incredible. I've seen statistics I don't remember what they are, but it's really overwhelming, isn't it? So you can have these you see the gold price ticking up and, and looking pretty strong and then all of a sudden boom You know you got 20 seconds or a, a minute or two and it's just taken down by 50 bucks just like that and massive volumes right and it can't be little people all of a sudden realizing that the price of gold is too high and they they sell it it has to be a few big actors you would think with the kind of volume that's involved is it yeah, is that it, your understanding it's, it's
0: not it's not retail investors who uh, oh. uh, you know c- c- concoct those uh, those plunges uh, that's uh, th- those are are, are banks uh, traders with access to virtually infinite money and infinite banking uh, in- infinite backing from from central banks but you know if nobody in journalism, ask central banks and 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 bullion banks what they're doing. If nobody ever calls the bank for international settlements and and asks them what are you doing in the uh, in the gold market, uh, well, you know then the then, then the financial world is never going to be told officially what's happening. But uh, mm-hmm. we have a consultant, Robert Lamborn, who's a retired business executive in the UK, uh, who's been following the bank for international settlements uh, for Gada for many years, and he gets their uh, monthly statement of accounts and calculates their gold position from the uh, the little numbers in the back of the book. Uh, and those numbers change from month to month, and Lamborn has calculated uh, a few days ago that the uh, Bank for National Settlements uh, gold swap position uh, has uh, now exceeds 550 tons, which seems to be the highest position in gold swaps and derivatives that the BIS has ever had. Well. You know why is the BIS trading the gold market so aggressively? Well, it it's either doing it, uh, you know, for fun, uh, or it's doing it at the direction of its uh, central bank members or certain members of of of, of the, the the BIS. Uh, you know, the the evidence uh, of central bank in intervention in the gold market every day it's it's on the record. We uh, uh, we asked the press office of the BIS a few years ago. Uh, you know what? What are you guys doing in the in the gold market, and for whom, and 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 what are the objectives? And the BIS very quickly replied uh, to me the next day, saying, "Oh, we we never answer
3: questions like this." Uh, you know, you can guess why. Yeah, yeah. I guess you. I guess you can guess why. Um- Well, let's understand here, Uh, Alan Greenspan said that central banks stand ready to lease gold in increasing quantities should the price begin to rise, but I think the price of gold has risen, Chris, has risen fairly dramatically, we've seen a little over 2,000 again recently, but I, I'm guessing that they're managing more than trying. I think they recognize long term as they print trillions and trillions of dollars. They can't keep the price of gold down at $35 an ounce anymore or whatever level they'd like to see it. Everything else is going up too. So ultimately, it seems like the the laws of nature do prevail, But it, but but my guess is that what they're trying to do is to try to keep control so there isn't a run out of the dollar, out of paper money, into gold and confidence is lost in the currency. Is What do you think of that? Is that? Do, do you think I have that right? Yes, I think
0: you've got it exactly right. That's what uh, somebody else I very much respect, uh, the analyst uh, Jim Rickards, has been, mm-hmm. been saying. Uh, uh, Rickards, who's had U.S. government intelligence clearance long, has said that uh, uh, central banks don't mind if gold goes up. They just... Uh, uh, don't want it to be terribly noticeable. They don't want it to uh, be uh, uh, disruptive. Uh, they they want to maintain what they call orderly markets. Of course, orderly markets are not necessarily markets at all. If uh, if markets can be uh, kept orderly only by constant surreptitious intervention by the government, well, then they're not really markets. You're not mm-hmm. you're not getting price discovery. But uh, but yes, uh, records and others have. Uh, uh, speculated that uh, central banks uh, do want a uh, a more gently rising gold price. Um, mm-hmm. They want to uh, devalue their currencies. They want to devalue uh, the uh, the debt problem around the world, uh, but they can't let the market do it because the market uh, would do it, uh, you know, probably pretty quickly and disruptively. So uh, we have these constant interventions, and not just in the gold market, but in the stock market and the bond market, uh, in order to maintain what central banks uh, consider uh, you know, an orderly market. But an orderly market is not a free market. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: An yeah. orderly market is, uh, uh, is, is, is a market in which the government uh, is setting prices. And that's really a
3: totalitarian system. No it's a tat out well, I think this is the reason then why a lot of journalists aren't really i mean people people that are um let's say the counterfeiters, the people that are getting rich and benefiting from money created out of nothing don't really want that exposed. It's a little bit like a a robber somebody's breaking into a house at night. they hate to see the floodlights come on. and I've always viewed it when gold starts to rise dramatically, very rapidly, people start to wonder, hmm, maybe there's a problem here. And yeah. so I think they have to keep that sort of the psychology and the con game going to pe- keep people believing in that currency that has nothing behind it, has no intrinsic value. They have to keep people conned into believing in the fa- in the fiat money. And this, I think, Chris, is with the reason why your fellow journalists are not hopping aboard because let's say it's cnBC uh, let's say it uh, yeah, CNBC or some of the financial. I mean, these guys, Peter Schiff or somebody can't go on there and start talking. they they cut Peter Schiff off, right? He's not allowed to talk about that stuff anymore. It's it's very
0: rare you get anybody permitted to go on financial television right. to say that governments are rigging markets. Jim Rickards has gotten away with it uh, uh, a few times um, and still gets to be allowed on. Um, a few times when I've been in Hong Kong, uh, when Bernie Lowe was yeah. running the Squawk Box program yeah. on CNBC over there, uh, yeah uh... he permitted me to go on and discuss the evidence of the market rigging but mm-hmm. uh... it's uh... it's really not you know done much uh... any anymore you, know, you have to you have to understand uh... you know these guys are terribly afraid of their governments even the press is afraid of their governments and uh... Mm-hmm. uh they're also afraid of uh... of their advertisers mm-hmm. uh... you know, their their advertisers uh, include the big investment banks the big international uh, banks and uh, they are the agents mm-hmm. of central banks in uh, gold market uh, manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well <laughs> you know no uh, news organization that's getting ads from J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs and uh, <clears throat> Morgan Stanley and, and, and the other ones is going to be very eager to expose uh, what those banks are doing as government agents in, in the gold market. Look, you know, a few months ago, uh, JP Morgan Chase uh, got fined uh, $920 million for gold and silver market manipulation going, uh-huh. back, going back years. And yet there was really very little, co- you know, coverage of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's certainly uh, something that, you know, might make some pretty good news stories. But yeah. uh, not uh, financial news organizations are not very interested. No
3: and probing all. the corruption of their biggest advertisers. Not at all because they're all in the game along with it. I mean, it's their everybody's benefiting and you know, once you have a socialist system where people get freebies, they don't want it to stop. So, Chris, we, we're really running out of time so quickly here. We got about 3 or 4 minutes left. I wanted to ask you about this gold swapping. Help our listeners understand how that comes into play. Now, you have at times people wanting to actually take delivery of gold, right? So they yeah, have to some, find some, they have to find do. gold. They have to find gold from some source to make some deliveries now and then, or else the people will understand that this is a whole fraudulent game. The paper is not really gold, it's just paper. The BIS will not answer questions about its
0: activity and in, in gold swaps and derivatives, but I, I have to assume that the BIS is basically moving gold around mm-hmm. among central banks and bullion banks to apply the very limited physical supply to the hot spots in the market so Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, there are no uh, publicly proclaimed defaults Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the the amount of gold that uh, the BIS is moving around now According to our consultant Bob Lambord, it, mm-hmm. it now exceeds 550 tons, which is much larger than most of the national gold reserves in the world. Mm-hmm. That's a, it, it's
3: a, I think it's a, they're playing a the game of musical chairs with the gold, mm-hmm. uh, Jay. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what the gold swaps are. Yeah, and you have to think with trillions upon trillions of dollars and people looking for other places, you know, to try to protect their wealth. They're going into tangibles, and certainly the most obvious one is gold and then silver, you know, the monetary metals. Well, Chris, uh, just tell our listeners where they can keep up with GATA. Uh, it's it's gata.org, I think, is uh, is the website.
0: Yeah, that's right, gata.org. Dot, dot org. Uh- we uh, maintain a, a daily free newsletter that people can uh, enroll for in the right column of our internet site. Uh, we maintain a very extensive uh, archive of documentation of, of of gold market manipulation and intervention by central banks. Uh, you can you can get to that documentation at the top left side of uh, our uh, our internet site, and uh, if you're looking for anything that. Uh, uh, you know, you can't find or you want a summary of, docu- of, of of the documentation of the intervention, I welcome email at cpowell at gata.org. I'll, I'll help you find stuff that you can't find. And of course, we are a uh, nonprofit educational civil rights organization recognized as uh, federally tax exempt by the Internal Revenue Service uh, under 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. and uh, we're uh, we're always welcoming financial contributions, which also can be made at our internet site.
3: Well, uh, exactly, and we're running out. Of, we're out of time, basically. But the the Treasury Department's Exchange Stabilization Fund take thirty seconds, twenty seconds, and oh, talk about that very briefly. They're uh, they're also a tremendous. Yeah, that,
0: the, the ESF, the Exchange Stabilization Fund of the Treasury Department, is authorized to intervene secretly uh, on behalf of the U.S. government in any financial market in the world. A few weeks ago, uh, Russ and Pam Martins of Wall Street on Parade uh, disclosed that the, uh, uh, the fund balance in the Exchange Stabilization Fund had been raised by something like $400 billion in the last few weeks I can't imagine they would have put another 400 billion dollars in the exchange stabilization fund if they were not planning to use it aggressively yeah, in the I coming would so. days. But I again, nobody so.
3: asks the Treasury Department what the ESF is oh, doing. Oh no, 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 no. We don't want to know. Okay, Chris. Well, thank you so much for for helping us understand uh, what's going on underneath this, underneath the, uh, underneath the table here with regard to our. Um, the Fed and our government. Thank you so much. It's very very good to have you. That is all the time we have this week, folks. Next week, John Rubino will be with me, Corwin Co of Sitka Gold. Until um, then, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
1: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
2: Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia.